discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And we're back with another special episode. I decide to conquer movie territory for the first time on this show. So we're doing a triple feature of Michael Crichton novels. And here is the lovely Kent Hill. Uh, various direct-to-video and B-movie parody novels. How are you, buddy? Very good, mate. How are you? I'm always good. And for once, the second guest I've had on here who doesn't sound like he has a staged comment. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How are you? How are you? You sound like a wrestler. How are you? Put on a stage voice. Put on your put on your put on your podcasting voice, big and deep. In a world where someone has just shot himself, one man is on a podcast. Morgan uh. Freeman, Keanu Reeves, they were men who went too far. Oh, dude, we've gone too far. Yeah, a bridge too far est or some retarded shit. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so just as a closer, um, uh, just as an opener, uh, what was your introduction to Michael Crichton? Were you familiar with his novels or his movies first, or how did you get into him? Um, I think, oh, jeez, um, wow. <laughs> let me think. Let me think. Oh God. Let me scratch my maybe another cup of coffee. Hang on. Um, <laughs> it's not going to sound good on a podcast. <laughs> I want to. I want to say probably Jurassic Park. I know that's probably a cliche answer, but uh, you know, some people probably, probably were familiar with the '70s probably, version of Yeah. I uh, mean, Westworld. I, I mean, um, as far as books, as far as books, Jurassic Park, but. I'm a huge fan of Runaway with Tom Selleck, um, mm -hmm. and, and and yeah, and of course Westworld. But probably the for the films, probably Westworld. For the books, probably Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. So, but you know, these movies that we're going to talk about, um, absolutely. Yeah, we, we we can't not talk about them because they are in some way influential on Crichton's style. At yeah. least his movie adaptations, because, uh, I mean, you got Spear, which had reunites Sam Jackson in another Crichton adaptation, and once again had, has science unknown places and psychological cat and mouse. We got Congo here, and that's a Spielberg co-production and about yeah. science versus mankind. And then we got 13th Warrior, which doesn't really have much to do with Jurassic Park, but definitely has a lot of the same kind of marketability and escapism. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the dude, what you've got to say about Michael Crichton is this stuff is just really cinematic. And I mean, that's why he's, he had the career that he had and why there were so many, like every time a Michael Crichton book came out, Oh yeah, let's make a movie of that. Sure. Why not? And like, they've readapted love... his stuff multiple times and sure. Mm. He's not so, even necessarily even sci-fi. Sometimes he's just mystery. He even had the nerve to, you know, yeah, actually direct and write 
either original yeah. stuff or his, some of his adaptations. So, however, yeah. he was a smart man. I mean, this is a guy who went to Raisden, Illinois, and went to Harvard in 1960, was an undergraduate in literature, and uh, was a visiting lecturer in anthropology in the UK. So, yeah, he's he's been so many different places, and... I heard he was difficult behind the scenes in terms of getting certain movies done, but I'm sure I would be an asshole too if I wanted my movie a certain way that I wrote. Sure, if if they if they rang me tomorrow, if like Hollywood rings me tomorrow and say, "Hey, we want to make Hercules with a shotgun," I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, "Well, sure. Well, first I need like script approval and, and uh, yeah, and cast, forms. casting approval." Or at least let me take a crack at the script. If someone's going to oh. fuck it, let, let me fuck it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let, gonna... uh, let me fuck yeah. it before you fuck it sideways. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. if you're going to cut, if you're going to cut certain shit out, I'd rather, I'd rather be the one to do it. At least, you know, I can say if someone says, oh, you cut out the best bits, I'm responsible. You know, Johnny responsible. That's me. Johnny responsible. Johnny mnemonic responsible. <laughs> yeah. That's right because right, yeah, I mean you can. <laughs> no, I mean you you can you can under you can understand an author being like you know because let's face it a novelist uh, sits and like you know and 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 toils over these things and then most of the time with adaptations of film they sort of just take the plot and the character names and that's it. Um, <laughs> it's getting it. It is, and other times it's like. I've seen plenty of other podcasts detail how Stephen King is better at ideas versus writing actual people. But again, he's one of those you got to really bribe him or stroke him if you want to get any of his work published to a screen. And that's how I am with Clyde Barker. I I can't stand certain Hellraiser fans because they act like anything made without him, you know, it automatically sucks. I'm like, no. I mean, it. Even if you hate it, I mean, I doubt Clyde could have pulled something like this off. Right, he's, right, right. he's the he's a writer. He's not a director. He did right, a good job yeah. directing. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, not not bad at all. But I mean, let's face it, they all have their strengths. Like Michael, like Michael Crichton, who we're talking about, uh, did some directing himself and and some screenwriting himself. Created the show ER with his medical experience and yeah. part so, of his I mean, collaboration he, yeah. with Spielberg. Yeah, so I mean, but I mean, he his obvious where his talent lies, truly lies, was the books. I mean, the books are really good. Um, yeah, so yeah. my uh, I read the books Prey and Airframe, mm. uh, which still which is kind of viruses and uh, bizarre technology and. I, I thought those were totally movie worthy. Uh, totally. Looking at some of his other adaptations, uh, I wasn't crazy about the book version of Lost World, so that might have explained why there wasn't that much material for the movie. Uh, yeah. I Rising Sun, he was involved creatively with the adaptation, and pretty much he didn't disown it, but he wasn't happy with it because he didn't get along with director Philip Kaufman. But I thought that was a fun one. I couldn't yeah. ever read the book. I did not read Disclosure, but that is an excellent legal movie. So starting off with Spear.
An elite team of scientists has been sent to investigate an unidentified object at the bottom of the ocean. You are the human contact team that was recommended in the Goodman report. We have a biochemist to assess the physiology of the unknown life form. We have a mathematician, because that'll probably be our common language. And we have an astrophysicist to locate its place in the cosmos. That's the heart of darkness. We go there. This thing is enormous. But on the threshold of a remarkable discovery... Anybody else wonder who the hell opened that door? They are about to unleash a force alien to anything on Earth. Hey, guys, I'm getting a reading on the sonar. You're not alone out there. Up here. It's 80 yards in closing. Get out of there. Oh, my God. What could have done this to her? Her body's been completely pulverized. 60 yards. How close are you? It's a dead end. Where are we? You almost got me killed. I'm down there. I can't breathe. It's not going to save you, Norman. Don't open the hatch. You'll kill yourself. If it explodes, it'll disintegrate everything for 10 miles. We die down here. Forty yards, move, move, move. Twenty yards, move. I'm not gonna die down here. is an intriguing one because that revolves around basically you got the premise similar to the abyss or leviathan even deep star six alien underwater you got these mathematicians and navy guys they're going down to the surface and they find basically these squids that can read their minds and they're probing them uh challenging all their fears i wouldn't say it's kind of a hellraiser kind of thing but it it kind of predates Event Horizon, if that makes sense. Just that whole kind of trapped in some kind of underwater lab and <laughs> yeah. having to face your morbid curiosity. Uh, yeah. What did you think of this adaptation? Sphere is a great movie. Sphere. Um, the, the 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 great thing about all of these is 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 I saw all of these in the cinema, which really does them justice. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, that, that dates me. Oh, wow. He saw these in the cinema. How old is this bastard? Um, well, but that, yeah, good, cause I've only seen Jurassic world in the theater and that was not worth it. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. Uh, sphere and, and 13th <laughs> warrior and, and Congo, but yeah, I love, I love underwater movies. I can't wait to see that Kirsten Stewart one, this new one underwater, simply called underwater. Um, I, love, I hope it's good. Uh, yeah, like yesterday, I watched, uh, you know, I had some time here at home to myself, and I sat and watched Deep Star Six and Leviathan, which I think is a great double feature. <laughs> they're practically yeah. the same. They're practically the same fucking movie, let's face it. But, they are. Um, <laughs> Ernie but, Hudson, who's in Congo, is also in one of them. So. Yeah, Ernie Hudson, great bloke, uh, who I met on the set of uh, Escape from Absalom or No Escape, the Ray Liotta, uh, Martin Campbell, uh, you met on Island the, Prism. You met him on the yeah. set, like, as an extra? Yeah, I was a background artiste on, uh, How on fucking uh, cool. No Escape. Yeah, and Ernie Hudson came down. We were, uh, we, were a bu- we were the bunch of guys. I've, 
Well, I played a good guy and a bad guy. Uh, I got, <laughs> kept getting kept getting switched. There's a big battle. There's a few big battles where they run the, into the fort that's down by the beach, you know? Yeah. And so uh, it was during the the there's a big night raid sequence where they a bunch of guys get killed and all this sort of stuff. And that night I was actually one of the good guys. The the what do they call the insiders or the outsiders? I think it's the opposite. The the outside the the outsiders are the the bad guys who live in the and the insiders are the ones that live outside or whatever. Anyway, but um so we had been sitting around from about five o'clock in the afternoon uh waiting because they were rigging all the explosions and the pyro and shit Mm -hmm. so we're sitting there yeah, we're sitting there in our bamboo armor thinking, what the fuck? How is this going to stop an arrow? Okay. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting around and we were sitting around so long. And finally, um, lunch was about oh, an hour and 45 minutes late that day. And, oh man, crews get so pissed when the food is not only bad, but late. And uh, so, oh, yeah. so we're, sit- we're sitting around and, and most of the stars don't really – interact i saw i saw ray liotta and lance hendrickson from a distance but ernie hudson god love him came down and sat with a bunch of us guys and he actually came and sat pretty much right next to me and i was like and i sort of looked up for a minute ago you know he's like how's it going and i'm sitting next to the fourth ghostbuster man (laughs) i'm sitting next to the and I'm like, hey, fucking Ernie Hudson, how you doing, man? And he's just like, hey, hey, you know, I'm a great white hunter, although I happen to be black. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, hey, did you bring any bananas with the dope inside? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, to make the uh, make the afternoon pass much Christ. quicker. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we were sitting there, uh, and, and he had uh, a late lunch with us, and then we're up pretty much all night, running around, jumping in the mud, and, oh. and explosions going off. You can't this... see me in the you can't see me in the film. I've watched it many times and freeze <laughs> frames certain scenes to see if you can see me. You can't see me. I was one of about uh, forty or fifty background uh, just running around, and they were made should, up of. You uh, should just put it on your IMDb just for the fucking hell of it. Oh, should I <laughs> like? Somewhere, somewhere in the background, you know, that's Veg- just not put a- down various baddies and goodies, <laughs> various baddies and goodies. But yeah, uh, Sphere is Sphere is a great movie. I love underwater movies. Barry Levinson, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, Samuel L. Jackson, Peter Coyote. Love Peter Coyote. Liam Schreiber. Liam Schreiber. Yeah, uh, Queen Latifah. Um, in in a very small part, but. Yeah. Um, uh, who was the? Isn't isn't Huey Lewis is the pilot of the helicopter? Yeah, and it's just so yeah. funny how Congo has Jimmy Buffett as a pilot, and then you yeah. got this other singer Huey Lewis as a pilot in Spear at the very beginning. It's like yeah. some kind of stick I should know about. Some running joke where we get famous singers to play pilots. Yeah. <laughs> It's crap. it it's the it's the one of the it's it's the one of these films that's set up most like the book where you have the chapters, you know, like the surface and then the descent and then the the spacecraft and then you know 
the uh-huh. you know the analysis you know so it's it, the structure of it is very very probably the probably out of all the adaptations the structure is uh, very novelistic in its in its uh, structure you know it's not uh, perfect but I, no. I rewatched it recently and I think if you had just gotten rid of some of the squid scenes especially Latifah's character's death people. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't have lost believability in it but i mean it's not an amateur movie i mean they knew what they were doing they had barry levinson of diner and tv's homicide in the chair yeah Yeah, big director yeah this is all very polished every shot is meaning something there's countless scenes where they're building a mood just with lighting and you know people dripping sweat you know it's just uh, they they are trying to be take the best parts of this novel and i mean it's not jacob's ladder mind fuckery but it is definitely it's definitely getting you into the fact that this is not your typical uh underwater terror kind of movie yeah because because let's face it the 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 thing to be feared is yourself is your own fear is to be feared right yeah Absolutely, there's, you're the one coming yeah, up with dreaming. It's like, yeah, it's like the old chestnut. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Um, yeah. And and so that's, I can see why it didn't do well. Now, in hindsight, I can see why it didn't do as expected. Even though they had like a massive cast and a big director and big budget, obviously. But uh, you know, when it's 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 different from the same thing like in John Carpenter's The Thing where you have 12 guys trapped in a, a space and no one trusts anyone. Uh, now you have a very small group of people who don't, who slowly begin to distrust each other, but really the person they should be fucking worried about is themselves, you know? Yeah. And 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 And, and because all that's internal and sometimes, you know, you get the feeling that it didn't, that's the part of it that didn't translate well is the fact that these people are their own worst enemy, right? Because I don't think there was, you know, maybe there, maybe there, there wasn't, maybe they should have had a bit more. I think that that was why the film didn't do as well as it could have, because people were, I think they were expecting a pretty like, Oh, it's another underwater thriller all that sort of thing. So I mean, basically, Sam Jackson was in everything. Justin Hoffman. I mean, I can t- understand why he signed up. He had just done uh, Outbreak, which I was always surprised that Crichton wasn't the author of The Hot Zone, which was what it was loosely based off of. But yeah, he's pretty much still in Outbreak mode. And Sharon Stone, I wouldn't say her star was fading, but, you know, she'd already been in, you know, numerous other, yeah. you know, knockoffs of basic instincts so she was just looking for something different and i can't blame her for trying i'd be sick of that too i it's definitely worth a rewatch uh i don't think it hasn't been given the blu-ray treatment yet to my knowledge maybe else oh yeah yeah it has it has has, umbrella okay yeah umbrella came out with a really nice release there's no oh there's a few old like sort of apk stuff from the period but not not a not an in-depth sort of look at the whole thing but right. 
but it's a nice, it's a nice, it's 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 transfers very nicely to Blu-ray, and okay. it's it's fun, it's fun to watch. And if you love, if you like me, and you uh, and you like these underwater uh, movies, then yeah, look, Sphere is belongs right up there with the best of them. It's yeah, it's, it's fun. I've, whatever master copy they're using for the current airings on HBO and Skinamax, they they look great. Ed, so yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Warner is, has a bunch of other back catalog things. They they need to get with the times and start releasing a lot of their library because sure. they're, they're ignoring a lot of it. And there's just a lot of stuff that's due for an upgrade. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. All righty. So 1995's Congo. The remote. In the race for the world's most advanced communications technology, a shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. Where a secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross. 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're travel cool. Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such something. thing as a gray well, gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... The same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are... Watching you. Help me! Help me! Ah! Yeah! Never saw any animal move like that. Shoot it! Shoot it! How intelligent are they? See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. Congo, what a great film. I actually read, uh, there's actually a really good article on Congo written by a learned colleague of mine uh, in the film writing um, business. He's the He was uh, one of the founders of Den of Geek. Simon Brew wrote a great article back nice. in, uh, I think it was 2014, called uh, Revisiting Congo, the Balmiest Blockbuster of the 90s. Um, and he absolutely loves the film. Balmiest. I love to read up the balmiest, the but because he's British, the balmiest blockbuster of the nineties. So uh, yeah, jolly good. This has um, been but, the most bizarre received movie that I've ever seen. Because like I would, I 
when I was a young lad, I would go through every other TV guide and every other listing would have it listed as either a one out of four star movie or a three out of four star movie. It was like flatliners. It was just so inconsistent. I'm like, so what rating did this movie get? Because usually, you know, when you see every other movie, you typically get, okay, it's a two out of four star movie, so it's a cult movie. It's four out of four, so it's a classic that I'm probably going to hate, but it's on TCMs because it's a four star. You know, you, you got, yeah. you typically got that. And this one was so inconsistent. And it has a huge cast, and half of them are uncredited either because I don't know if they don't want to be in the movie or they were last minute. <laughs> They were last minute additions. Yeah. Joe Pantoliano, yeah. Delroy Lindo. Yeah. And this is probably, this and Mars Attack are probably the most mainstream appearances I've seen. Joe Don Baker, who's, you know, best known for Walking Tall and all his mystery science theater type schlock. So it's like, man. Yeah. He's in no, this. Congo's an absolutely great film. Frank Marshall. Um, and Kathleen um, Kennedy, his future yeah. wife. Yeah, I mean, Frank Marshall made some wonderful movies. Um, it's written by uh, John Patrick Shanley, who wrote one of my all-time favorite movies, which is Joe vs. the Volcano. Um, uh, it's a and Adapted Doubt. So, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. What? He did work I mean, Yeah, it's like, it. Look, when I saw the, the poster, I mean, because this is all, I mean, the internet still wasn't, you know, as powerful as it is today, uh, when, you know, you used to walk past the theatre and see the poster and go, damn, this looks cool. And look at the credits, Frank Marshall and John Patrick Shanley and, and, um, this is three years before Laura Linney, the lead actress in this does the Truman show, but yeah, she's still kind of rising. She's done tells of the city and a bunch of other TV work. And Ernie Hudson, like you say, is already well known for, Ernie Hudson's already well known for Ghostbusters, and then you got Tim Curry so, hamming it up. And Roger Ebert yeah. was one of the few mainstream critics who actually gave this a pass. Said, you know, this is a fun, entertaining movie. It's not perfect. It's and it seems, it seems like everybody likes to put this in the failed camp category. I mean, it's not camp. It's just, it's hammy, but it's intentionally hammy. But I don't mm. know if it's just the way they looked at the editing and they just they weren't digging it. And it's like, well. We're just going to have to disagree. I mean, there there really is nothing to not understand. Now, Ernie Hudson may not be completely, he's like British Nigerian or something like that, but he's kind of just rolling with it. That's his interpretation. And I, I'm going to let it slide. It's not like, I mean, if we can see Sean Connery, who's, you know, a Scot playing a various British guy, I mean, I, I, can, I think I can live and let die. So, I mean... <laughs> I know. I mean, the guy played a fucking Russian submarine captain with a Scottish yeah. accent. So, I mean, uh, I, I love Ernie Hudson's performance in this, and I actually got to tell him that, uh, which I'm proud to say. Uh, I love the accent. I'm sure he liked incredible. it, too. It was, uh, you know... Um, Ernie he, Hudson he was, was Sam Jackson before it was cool, because, I mean, he that, has been in so right. much. Oh, shit, yeah. Ernie Hudson, man. But, uh, and and... Let's not forget Bruce Campbell, of all people. Very beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bruce. And, I have known yeah. people who have hated this movie just because yeah. he gets killed at the very beginning. And I'm like, uh, that's not even enough for me to be attached to him. You guys, get over yourselves. I mean, 
That's like me. I don't know. It's like, it's like it, Steven Seagal in Executive Decision, you know. It's yeah, like, or Machete. I mean, the whole point is him yeah. to show up and get killed because they're making fun of how he can't die in any other movie. It's just an inside joke. And it, it's like if I were to get mad at any of these other movies where various celebrities are playing a fictional version of themselves. I'm like, it's it's a joke. It's a gag. And they he's been in all these other creature features and Sam Raimi type movies. So yeah, of course I'm sure Spielberg and his people were taking note of that. They were pretty knowledgeable having worked with other people like Joe Dante. So yeah, I'm sure they looked at get who's someone with charisma. Who's been in all kinds of B pictures, Bruce Campbell. Okay. Yeah. And I, I love, I love when he shows up for like little bits like that, like at the end of Dark Man, or um, this is like the starter from Dust Till Dawn too, where he does yeah, he does yeah, movie segment. it's like he play. I love when he plays the actor in the movie within the movie of the Majestic. Uh, yeah, with the, yeah. Every I mean, it's it, movie. He does that, so yeah, it is it's great. Fun. Yeah, um, and and it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great a great way to 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 open i mean this movie had a what people forget is this movie had a really really good trailer in my opinion i might you know i'm not speaking for everybody all right it kind of predates a lot of other upcoming movies like anaconda and uh the mummy with brendan fraser so you definitely get a lot of that 90s mentality Yeah, it's got great. It's got great lines it's got steve uh it's got bruce campbell screaming it's got tim we are watching you you know and uh, jerry, goldsmith's, yeah. jerry goldsmith's score reminds Beautiful me very score. much yeah and it very very much reminds me of the one that he did for the planet of the apes movies you know yeah so, yeah it's got a lot of a lot of, lot of percussion a lot of drums the the african singers of course very nice um i forgot you know, about those vocals those are actually very nice this is years before blood diamond you know was going to town with all the oh you know it's just yeah, no, it's, drums. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, let's face it, it's 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 a movie with a lot of uh, twists and turns because sometimes the way, or sometimes when you looked at the trailers or the the TV spots for it, a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's it's about apes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's like oh, there's there's a there's a uh, a race of killer monkeys, you know? But that's not really what I mean that's the big thing at the end. That's the big mystery. But I mean, you've got a lot of great character stuff. Um, I love the stuff with Dar- D- uh, Delroy Lindo, you know, like, uh, you know, stop eating stop my eating sesame, my sesame, cake. sesame cake. <laughs> Yeah. And, and uh, what's his name? Eddie Ventro. I like, I love old mate, Eddie Ventro, you know, and that's a, that's a nice little part for him. He turns up in his Hawaiian shirt and, and you know he's the he's the guy who's you know, there's always a guy who's connected to everything who knows you know. Dylan Walsh is a pretty solid character actor who's this was years before he was doing TV shows like Nip Tuck and Whiskey Cavalier. Yeah. I I don't know what it was. He must have been on the same list as uh, Chris O'Donnell because it's like he was being cast as the lead in all these adventure movies and everyone. I would almost always see in a review someone had some deal with him. And I was like, I don't see anything wrong with him. He he might not be 
demanding, but he's definitely not bland like you're painting him to be. And he does pretty good here as uh, the primatologist of the ape. I actually like the ape design as a whole, how it's communicating and all. Somehow, I think it just pulls it off because it just runs with it from the ground up. So you know what to expect. Right, right, yeah. And so, there's a lot of people bitching about the makeup and the ape costumes. I think I think it's fine. I mean, it's yeah. I'm, I mean, look. I mean, all all movies are a product of their time. Uh, Congo's no exception. Uh, to watch it today and I'll to watch it now and I watched it last night. You know, Did knowing you? that we were going to be talking about it. yeah. Okay. And and it's you know it. I I think it holds up pretty well. I mean, it's very it's, gory. It's, for PG thirteen nineties, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, had it been various humans, this would have, you know, this this would totally be chopped up on cable TV and totally be given an R rating. But because it's apes, and yeah. they they, yeah. they oh, give it a pl- thirteen. There's but plenty of blood. Uh, there's plenty of blood and, and and guts and stuff. And I think it's great that. Uh, yeah, you know, I like how uh, Bruce Campbell sits down to have his chocolate bar, and then next minute he goes, "Oh, you, you, you're throwing stuff at me now!" And he reaches down, and there's a fucking eyeball, and it's just, you know, um, yeah, shit and, like that. Um, yeah. Even though most of this is kind of in Jurassic Park mode, the whole adventure aspect to it is totally an Indiana Jones, you know, old B movie style tribute. And then I love yeah. how in the second part. And many other reviews like Dinner Geek have mentioned this, how it's pretty much in aliens mode. They set up the automatic, you know, machine guns and uh, laser filled traps and everything. And coincidentally on both of these, not only did Stan Winston, the great late great Stan Winston do, you know, special effects makeup, but he also did second unit directing on both of these, both this and aliens. So it was like, okay, cool. So he's pretty heavily involved doing reshoots you know pick up yeah. shots the action Total. scenes so i'm like okay uh yeah Otto but, Wadi, i mean it's good uh it's good. He, he is in this years before mummy returns so it's kind of cool seeing him as one of the african porters and the deputy who is a leader of the expedition and he's like one of the first victims when they get in the cave it's kind of fun yeah, no, no, it's great. And and Grant Hesloff, who went on to become a – he's a very uh, successful yeah. producer and director now. Um, homie, yeah. The, the men that stare at goats, which I uh, I loved. Yeah. Um, you every know, George Clooney movie and Soderbergh production, yeah. He's pretty much – Yeah, it. John Hawkes is in it. Uh, you know, he was uh, – I think he's uh, also uncredited, but, I mean – yeah. He's lost. he's great. Everyone, as I said, everyone said, "Oh, who do you mean? He's John Hawks." And I go, "He's the guy at the start of Dusk Till Dawn." Yeah, you fucking yeah. are, I didn't. You know. <laughs> and I said, "I said this is eight years before Dusk." Yeah. Yeah, I said he he's a screamer, mate, in those early parts. What he did in the auditions, and that's might have been how he got cast. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Peter Jason's in it. Who you know, who's in every other John Carpenter? John Carpenter always put in tried to put peter jason in his movies yeah peter jason is great yeah it's pretty diverse cast of people who are in you know various movies of various quality and it's definitely a big blockbuster from it i i've never seen anyone bash their part in this movie 
I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if some of them were mixed bag, but I mean, I think the reputation of this movie kind of speaks for itself. I mean, this made 152 million against 50 million, so it did better than Paramount expected. This got nominated for seven <laughs> Razzie awards. Yeah, well, fuck those guys. They don't yeah. know what they yeah. don't know. Yeah. They don't know what good makeup is. The Washington Post called this a Spielberg knockoff, even yeah. though Spielberg's involved with this. That that's like me saying that's a John Carpenter ripoff, even though it's based on an early script by Carpenter. So yeah, no, that's just fucking Ooh. retarded. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Congo's well, Congo's such a such a fun movie. There's some great set pieces. Who thought that flares could stop heat-seeking missiles? That's How, kind of been something, and, yeah, I, and tracking into got, that, that pretty yeah. much has been a trope that's been played in every other movie since then. Yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot of people play around. Uh, that actually happens in Courage Under Fire the following year, the war, war movie with Denzel Washington and Meg Ryan. Where it's yeah, kinda, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they fire a flare while they're in the copter, and it's you know yeah, distracts they, they them. They dump they dump the fuel tank over the over the enemy tank and then fire the flare and and yeah. it lights it up. But uh, no, I mean this 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 is tons of great stuff to look. I mean the guy from Nick and Tuck uses Ernie Hudson's cigar to burn a leech off his dick. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, this is years know. before that they were doing just so many other just bizarre uh, mystical adventures. There's some beautiful African scenery. I don't know where they filmed it. I couldn't find anything on that, but uh, I'm sure there was part of an actual Congo, and then they did LA backup backdrops. This had a few different video games on it, believe it or not. There was Congo the yeah. movie, Lost City. There was one for Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis yeah. that was canceled, and then another at uh, Venture game was released for PC and Mac called Congo the Movie Descent into Zin. So there was a pinball machine that was produced. So yeah, that's that, a great, it's a, it's a great name for a Lost City Zinge. It sounds like Singe. Zinge. You know, Zinge. I was, I was, I was, I was smoking a cigarette and my mustache. I did Singe. You know. <laughs> yeah. One of the other critiques of this is that Tim Curry and Ernie Hudson stood out more than the lead actors. Uh. I would argue that Ernie Hudson is one of the lead stars. Just because he's not he in the first scene doesn't mean he's not the lead star. He's yeah, just the second lead as far as I'm concerned. And Dylan Walsh I mean, is got... the supporting. He's just there to yeah. communicate with the monkey, Amy yeah, or whatever. I mean, I mean, you've got you've got four actors there. You've got Laura Linney and Dylan Walsh. They're, 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 they're the anchors. They're trying to keep the realistic side of it alive. And then Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry are more... They're, they're, they're more hyper-realistic characters, you know? I'm the Great White Hunter, although I happen to be black. And, and Hugo Homolka, you know? And, and, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the sort of larger-than-life characters. So you've got to have a balance. You can't have all... People all, Yeah. People react negatively to this like they would probably a Mark L. Lester movie like Showdown in Little Tokyo or Commando. I don't think you could even compare it that way. That's a different kind of bad shit insanity. This this is a total old B, you know, 40s Republic Pictures type yeah. movie. 
It is. And, it really is. It, it's people, one of those, yeah. The, everyone seems to express confusion with what the fuck Tim Curry's purpose in this. I'm like, I, he's just a businessman who's pretty much along for the ride and he's into mischief like any businessman is in one of these B pitchers. I, well, what else do you need to know? He's, and everyone is just so confused about what his purpose is and his accent. I'm like, honestly, he's pulling a Hans Gruber and diehard. He's just doing a, whatever his interpretation of an accent is. And it's, this is a fun movie and I don't get it. I, I don't. No, I, I love it. I love it. Hands down. You know, it's, it's like you said, it's like one of those old 1940s, 1950s people in the jungle uh, you know, if it had been made back then, it would be black and white, and the apes still would have been people in ape suits and all that sort of stuff. But it's like a bigger budget version, just like Jaws is a big budget version of an absolutely, feature, you know. And and they're they're fun, and if you don't have fun in these movies, I don't know. That's yeah. that's that's good. That's got to do with you. If you don't, if you go to the movie, if you go to a movie like this, uh, particularly, it played so well in the cinema, like. The small screen really, yeah, the small screen, I'm not saying it kills it, but it was definitely really great in the theater with all the the big sound and the score and, you know, and if you don't have fun in these kinds of movies, well, that's that's something, it's self-examination right there, I mean, because it is fun. I could probably, I could introduce this to today's crowds and they'd eat it right up. Yeah, I would love to see it again. Yeah, I would love to see it again in the big screen. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm looking at some of these other blockbusters, and some of them just aren't going to fly. Like, I, like for instance, if I had to pick other 90s blockbusters, I would have to be selective with who I introduced the substitute to and, you know, stuff like that. Who would I introduce mm. even certain Star Trek or From Dust Till Dawn to? But mm. Congo, I think, would probably kill just with about anybody. They would just dig the kind of adventure whether or not they yeah. actually like it or not. It's just like yeah. the mummy. They could just yeah. have fun. Yeah, that's that's what going, – going to the movies is always about – should be about fun, but people go today to be so critical. Uh, even like even the most – is good even, enough. Yeah, even the most nonchalant film watchers now come out of the cinema and they all think that they're fucking experts because the internet's given everyone a soapbox – so they all get up on the soapbox and they're like, oh, I thought the photography was very good, but the composition in that frame just totally annoyed me. Um, you know, They're looking they're just, at stuff that they thought, like they never gave a fuck about from the get-go, and now all of a sudden they care. And it's yeah. like, you you got to be consistent with your critique. If you never care about that, then don't ever care don't, about it. Don't, don't give don't, a shit. Don't like it because it's now cool to say it's cool, right? Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't, don't. I hate people that do that. Oh, yeah, I fucking love that movie. You didn't like it when it came out, right? Well, the, you know, it's like the people that, that, that it's like the Phantom Menace uh, oh, is God. probably the, the best example. There's people that absolutely feel it, like crucify that movie now, but they fucking lined up for three months to get tickets when it came out. So, yeah. Oh yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars fans are total hypocrites. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of people who went and saw the latest one, and they're just like, uh, I I know they're gonna just be bitching about it for the next five months. I'm like that. 
maybe you should be venting these into some constructive thoughts. Like I've had to stop reading certain people who I know have their own blog because I know they're just going to rant for five pages as opposed to give me an idea of what this is about. It's like, you know, you weren't in the chair. You weren't in the production studio green lighting this project. How about <laughs> you be a little yeah. more. We, we really, we really, I mean, I have a little bit of an idea. I mean, because I, I've at the lower levels, at the more the independent levels, but we really have no idea what it means to be in the position that, like an Abrams is, to go into this room full of executives and story people. He doesn't. It's it's not like it's not like how we imagine. You know, a filmmaker sits down, they write a script, and he says, "Okay, this is it." And they say, okay, and then they give him the money to go, does it? No. These are movies made by massive committees and marketing people and everything. And yeah. it all has to it all has to come together somehow and hopefully uh, make a profit. And uh, everyone acts like it's just the director and is like, no, you, you got to find a cinematographer who you can afford. You got to get this makeup yeah. and all this other pre-production. Yeah, it's, it is literally... It, uh, to to make one of these big films is such, and I mean, uh, for, for big movies, I've only ever been an extra on a really big movie, but no, to watch, great. yeah, to work. to watch to watch the logistics of, you know, there's there's all the the trailers for the actors, there's all the catering, there's all the equipment, there's generators and stuff because they might be filming a place without power. You know, it's such a massive. It's almost like it's it's bigger than a circus. It's like an army. No, and, I, and, I I agree. I've I've done extra work on shows like The Long Road Home and Queen of the South, mm. and I uh, I was seeing people all the time. They were getting all close to all the actors, and the actors yeah. were being nice and everything. We're talking about Michael Kelly and Alicia Braga and and Bucho from Desperado. They're all being nice and everything, but. Mm. The problem is those extras thought that's the way anywhere else is like, no, that would never happen in New York or L.A. You cannot talk to the main, main person. you got to get the fuck, you know, 50 yard distance away, you know, because you know, yeah. they're here to work. And it seems like on a lot of these non-union uh, states like Oklahoma and uh, parts of Atlanta, they've they've done a lot of that where they can get away with mm -hmm. it. It's like. It's a cool experience, but you got to remember it's not going to be the same experience everywhere. But no, you're no. you're in a cool situation because I mean you're working with a bunch of different screenwriters. What was the movie you said was No Escape? That was essentially a fortress running man type fight to the death movie. You had all these mm. well known character actors. HBO later acquired the rights to that, and yeah. that was a year and a half before Martin Campbell, the director of that, later went on to do. The James Bond movies and Zorro right. Banderas, yeah. and yeah. I'm sure it was a big template for him. Is like the Ooh. got what what script you, and people act like the director is responsible for the script. Is like maybe in terms of adapting it and emphasis, but they have writing committee rules too. So that there's so many scripts that get rewritten, and. Ooh we don't ever know about it. Cause we only see like one to five people credit is like, there was probably 10 other people who rewrote it, but they're not credited cause they're just fixing dialogue or errors. They're not changing yeah. the basic idea. Cause the writing committees are just stupid. How they give you credit. 
Mm. Yeah, it's it's. Oh look, it's oh, and I actually ended up talking with the writer of of No Escape and okay. Escape for I, f- I found him on I found him on Facebook. Did, did you ever yeah. tell him his secret? Is like I was on your movie. <laughs> yeah, he said, well, you probably know more than I did because I wasn't there very long, and <laughs> um, you know, but he was he actually the the only time he was there was because they had done sort of the big attack sequence, but they they needed, they wanted to do something different. They said, well, we can't just have another big attack to end the movie, you know what I mean? We can't just have another big uh, assault on the, on the fort, you know? Right. And so, and so he basically came in and he said, well, why don't you have, why don't you have it where they just basically the the attack it looks like the attack and but they just break in because it's 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 a rig it's a trap they've basically just left the gates open and and they've rigged the whole place and it's and it's an ambush you know instead of them the bad guys always ambushing them they decide to ambush the bad guys and uh and he was like and they were like well that's perfect you know because they have only so many assets there at the location to do certain things. So they can't, they can't change it. It's just like the whole thing with Carrie Fisher being in the new star Wars. Now they only had so much footage of her to work with. So you're writing inside a box, like Kevin Smith says in his review. So there's only so much (laughs) you can do because you can't, you know, because they're trying to be respectful. They're not going to digitally bring her back to life uh, because she's only just, it's, it's been, you know, it's not long since you passed away. It's not like Peter Cushing in Rogue One, where he's been dead yeah. for quite a while. Uh, so it's 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 in bad taste to sort of say, well, we need this character, so we did, we are going to digitally bring her back to life. Yeah, so, and yeah, we're living in a more spoiled uh, society. Like I, I never look at a trailer unless it's a Lionsgate premiere or a new image type movie, which of course I'll be there opening day. But uh, that. Most of the time, I will not look at them because I know it's going to just be very sloppy and probably not what they intended. And we're getting a lot of that now where everyone's just prejudging. We've had this stupid deal with one, two movies in a row, Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Cats, where, you know, those were dead on on arrival because everyone's like, I I don't like how that looks. And (laughs) you're talking to all these businessmen. They they don't know quality from shit. You know, they don't know money that all they know is money, you know, changing hands. That's all they know. So, uh, and they're just quick. They're the kind of guys who always want to just pigeonhole as opposed to take, you know, take the blame for whatever happened. And it's like, no, be a man. Just you're, you're one, to blame. Of, <laughs> one of the biggest, one of the biggest problems with the film industry is not the creative people. It's primarily to do with the decision makers who say, "Hey, that would look good on a movie poster." You know, that sounds. That would it look sounds good. Like, let's rip off like a, a Dark Knight yeah. type looking poster. Oh, and let's yeah. get all these famous people, all these famous crew, all these famous uh, cast, and let's get the ones who just won an award, but are a total handful to have to deal with every day. That yeah. that won't that won't put us behind schedule. We're not 
going to not have any locking themselves up in a trailer incidents. It's like, no, that, this is a yeah. bad idea all over. <laughs> I, I, I actually, I had a debate about this with a friend recently and I said, you can tell, you can see the difference in, in the changing of cinema throughout the decades uh, by the posters. I said, if you look at the posters today, like for instance, the Avengers posters, every fucking actor that's in the movie is on the poster. The poster is the cast of the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and all their faces, yeah, all the faces have to be on there, right? So as opposed to go going back to something like, you know, when Drew Struzan was doing it, uh, where, yes, you've got to have certain, the characters of the film on there, but he's trying to sell you the story too, not just two big heads, Right. Not just like mm-hmm. it's got it's it's not just Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence and that's the movie <laughs> you know where yeah. the post where the poster is two big faces or in the case of Tom Cruise movies it's Tom Cruise's face on the whole fucking poster you know yeah uh, you know and so you can really see how it's like oh people love Tom Cruise so all we need to do is put his face or him on the poster and people will go and see it like that incredibly fucking bad mummy remake that they did uh, uh, yeah which was oh year of uh, minutes of my two or what was it an hour and a half of my life i'll never get back um uh, uh, I, yeah. I feel you on that I, one was, yeah I, 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 I had I, pals who were excited to see it um some of them wanted to see it just because they had like a crush on Sophia batia and i'm like it just do you see what i'm seeing and they're like oh it's not done yet i'm like no, it's totally yeah. done. And that's yeah. what we're going to see is all this ugly, ugly, you know, Gods of Egypt type CGI. We're going to see this nonsensical plot. Russell Crowe is Van Helsing because they basically want to do a Universal Monsters, but make it be like the Avengers where they all come together and they get their own, sta- you know, standalone. And it's yeah. just it's pretentious. It's just derivative and brain dead. And it's it's so stupid. It's 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 the problem is is the studio sees another studio do something and pull it off. And so now, you know, bring me one of those so we can have a franchise. Uh, yeah, and just keep going, going and going. You know, try and make tr- they tr- trying to be like Marvel and make a license to print money. You know. Yeah. To um, quote, uh, what's they're called. Uh, it's what you called, as Wikipedia cites it, a twin movie. You know, movies coming out around the same time, Independence Day, Starship Troopers, even though totally different kind of movies. One's a dumb 50s B yeah. picture. The other's a satire that we're it's, hoping. It's sort of, sort of more like, uh, you know, Dante's Peak and Volcano or, uh, you know, Deep Blue yeah. Sea and Lake Placid. Uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact, you know. Um, yeah, and then yeah, uh, then you have all these other low-budget direct-to-video ones that are also knocked off of it, but you don't really pay attention to it unless your TV is on at all corners of the night. So it's, uh, it is a very exhausting process. Uh, now when we go to the video store, we, we lose track of how many movies are basically the next – take off of John Wick equalizer or taken and mm. they're going to they're going to keep doing that formula for a while cuz literally all they have to do is find a star who people want to see kick some ass who's sure. middle aged or mm. Mm. rising and that's 
all they have to do. The Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Terminator formulas they'll keep using. But like you say, uh, we're still unfortunately encountering standstills uh, twin movies. Uh, 2010 was ridiculous how we had a big screen version of the A-Team and Predators and Takers and the Losers all before or after the Expendables. I'm like, good grief. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's trying to have all these all-star commando mission movies. And I was like, yeah, it's the, 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 the problem, the problem with today, as opposed to, you know, 20 years ago is all of this stuff was done 20 years ago and it was done from this man's opinion only was done a lot better (laughs) 20 years ago uh, because it was more about, you know, today, today when they do these things, it's more of a cash grab than anything else. And they, they're just remaking everything now. I mean, there's nothing that's sacred. They, I read some shit online that they want to remake Jaws. I mean, uh, what the fuck? Then I will... That's even what worse the than the 2016, was it, prank on the internet where they said they were remaking uh, Die Hard with Chris Pratt. And I think the internet literally literally yeah. gave a middle finger to that. You're like, we will... The- off with your head whoever said that that's not even funny <laughs> the wor- the worst the worst concept was the fucking the rock wanted to do fucking big trouble in little china and i'm like yeah Fuck. now they're like it's just like a yeah, original sequel yeah. this is an unpopular opinion i'm not the biggest fan of that but i understand why it's beloved why it's a cult movie why jack burton kurt russell all yeah. that and yeah. but even then i was just like Sequel, rem- yeah, no, don't, no, no, no. I can no. understand the thing because that was a bigger thing. They even did computer games that were like prequels to it. I understand right. that. I can even understand doing even another, for lack of a better comparison, another Halloween or Ghosts of Mars if you wanted to. <laughs> but, well, I mean, the the thing about the thing about like Halloween and those horror movie franchises is. It, it's it's different because those characters and the and the plot and the mystique surrounding someone like Michael Myers or Jason or whoever is because they are faceless, voiceless. Uh, what are they? They're personification of fear and terror. People right? go for many different reasons. What are they like? Yeah. The original stuff, or what are they just want some mindless, you know, sex and gore? So. Yeah. But when uh, you start to, when you start to do stupid shit like remake Ben Hur, um, oh god, yeah, like like what the fuck were they thinking? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, they the, weren't. The, the, a sequel exactly. to Mary, a sequel to Mary Poppins is a lot more plausible in my mind well, than, re, Disney than remaking plausible because I mean <laughs> they're gonna remake everything because they I know, know they will lose money on it. Totally. And, pisses me off that they've had to do this whole dick measuring with Fox and they're like, yeah, let's just buy Fox just so we can own X-Men. Oh, and by the way, we're shutting down Fox, but we're keeping the TV division open. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) And building on these points a bit, now, if they're not doing movies that are competing with each other or regurgitating classic 80s or 90s formulas, 
it seems like now they're at the point where they're just kind of sneaking in kind of a, a mirror of another movie. Like, for instance, one of the biggest movies last year that was a hit and is already getting a sequel and that my sister has seen five times in the theater already was Knives Out. But when I told her, you do know that's basically a regurgitation of Clue and Agatha yeah. Christie type dinner mysteries. And she's yeah. like, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, how do you not know what the fuck I'm talking about? You're a liter- literary expert. You should. Right. And, and with Congo, I do feel like a lot of ape based movies took inspiration from it. I wouldn't say the new planet of the apes took any inspiration, but I would definitely say like, for instance, there was actually this UPN original movie called primal rage with Ron Perlman. And it is love, oh, I love it that is movie. very Congo inspired. Yeah, yeah primal, primal. Uh, it was released over here as Primal uh, Force. Primal I bet. And yeah, yeah, and then that's. I mean, that's that's a great little sort of Congo uh, ripoff uh, movie. Jungle cliffhanger yeah. type action, and and, and and Ron Perlman plays the grizzled like the guy who escaped and he never wants to go back but he has to kind of uh character yeah and that, 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 yeah that was a real and it's got it's 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 a it's a fun movie it's suspenseful um once again the soundtrack kind of does all the talking and as mainstream as we've come with congo i would say rampage with the rock definitely had a lot of that same kind of communicate with the gorilla yeah 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 totally, before it totally. goes all Godzilla. I actually, I actually enjoyed Rampage. <laughs> I, I thought did that. I give, I give them, I give them props. I give anyone props for making a film out of a video game because let's face it, the video game was just you choose to be either a big ape, a big werewolf, or a big lizard, and the idea is you get points for destroying a city fast and, yeah. and eating people. So I was like, "Wow, they're gonna make a movie out of that." That's yeah, I give I give them pro- I, I gave them props straight away. I was like, "Wow, they're gonna try and there's gonna be a plot around that." Well done. <laughs> even have the <laughs> the arcade game in, in the background in, in the, a few shots. In the background, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it gets Rampage. to the point, and it's a shame that The Rock's going back and doing a sequel to like shit like. San Andreas. I'm like, no, you, you should do another Rampage, or you should do another Rundown. Don't do San Andreas. I mean, I'll see it, but I don't think it'll be any good. Yeah. Be like Fast and oh, Furious, where I go just for the laughs. The laughs. I was a bit, I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed with that uh, skyscraper. I was, you know, I was kind of like dying. Yeah. I, I pretty I was, much suggested to everybody just watch the last ten minutes because that's the. Yeah crazy bad shit stuff you want to see the other yeah. stuff yeah it's, it, it it didn't even have to be in theaters it just felt like a billy blanks roddy piper movie from the 90s and they spent too it much did. money on it it did it felt like a straight to video movie from from back in the day it should have um, been an snl parody because i mean just from the scene alone where he's putting liquor on himself and going <laughs> ah, and then downs the bottle and the, the problem, yeah. The problem with those, the problem with movies like that is they try to do it too serious, and it really needs to be like those, uh, the late '80s, early '90s straight-to-video movies where the dialogue is bad. But that, 
or it shit has, on Little Tokyo or Roadhouse where it's it, taking everything it's saying with a grain of salt and it's letting yeah, you yeah. accept it. I'm not saying it has to be samurai cops so bad it's good, but it, it, it has to be <laughs> it has to be consistent. And it seems yeah. like we are getting too many like I think this was a miracle in these first two movies we mentioned here because I don't think uh, any of them got rewritten terribly. It seems like they had one or two writers, and the next one we're going to be discussing only had, like, two credited writers. So they're, they're definitely – in the 90s, you definitely had less and less interference, it seemed. And it seemed sure, like yeah. it seemed like the studio heads would only hire all these other people to punch up dialogue and – plot twist endings when they were falling behind schedule and actors weren't getting along or demanding changes because they're even they realized somehow by the fifth draft hey you know this this doesn't make much sense i don't know why it took reading it a fifth time for me to realize it doesn't make sense but it doesn't make sense <laughs> and, yeah, see no, that, no. and now yeah. today look, today you look at the credits and you go how many fucking writers does this movie have and it like, still the, feels like a first draft that's the crazy it part. It's like it's like it's like they they uh the great story about the last action hero, you know. Uh, um, yeah. And have you that read the, oh, this? That should have been a hard yeah. R. And it. You know, and and that movie had so many writers come on that they didn't even use the drafts anyway, so they just cashed their checks and fucked off. <laughs> and they ended up going back to like an early draft anyway. Um, so it's, it's crazy because you've got too many, because, because it's not the writers working solely with the director anymore. It's the producers and the director and the writers and, and God knows who else, the, the story department now. And so there's so many people that come together to, that have to, well, they feel like it, they have to come together now to concoct what i mean the writer writes the script the director has his input because he's got to shoot the fucker uh-huh. um, and the producer's got to find the money and pull all the elements together but now and now they're getting even worse nowadays with the yeah. investors who are pulling through you're having all these independent pictures that are filming in parts of sydney australia even back here in the states new orleans uh, one yeah. minute the studio's there then a month later when everyone's waiting for the money to come through and it doesn't come through and they find out that the place has been boarded up and everyone's changed their alias and everything. You're like, Oh, we just got conned again. You fuckers. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's just, and then pretty much that's it. They're like, well, we can't shoot anymore. So whatever we got together, we're just going to have to make sense of it all. Have the actors mm. come in for ADR. Cause we got nothing. <laughs> we're not yeah. going to make I any mean money. Yeah, I mean, Skyscraper could have been really huge if it was written like Con Air, right? I agree. Con Air, Con Air, is, yeah, Con Air is completely conscious of what it is. Um, and the And the dialogue is, is written accordingly. I mean, uh, that's... Like these, that's movies, the, these two movies we've just listed here, they do know what they are. They get a bad yeah. rap. People... It, Exactly. We're too busy comparing it to Jurassic Park. And yeah. I, I know Steven is the nicest person on the planet. I doubt right. he would hire anyone to talk, you know, any 
hearsay or smack about anyone else, but it seemed like everyone had in this mentality, it must be the next Jurassic Park. And it's like, you do know there's all these other movies Crichton has done that weren't hits, right? Or are hits, but you forget he did. Like, he did Twister, for God's sakes, and it's not based on any of his books. So, yeah. he, he pretty I much... Lo- I love Twister. I could do a whole show with you just talking about Twister. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll but, have um, to. <laughs> yeah, I but love yeah, that Crichton, It wasn't yeah, uncommon I'm... for his name to be on every other TV movie of the week or future release or just feel inspired by because he was very heavily involved with everything and it it wasn't just sci-fi it was you know doctor thrillers he later did timeline which everyone's still kind of divided on because it kind of half adapts the book and depending on who you are you either like it or you hate that movie so yeah uh, and again and and again, a big cast, uh, like a lot of, like a lot of, well, not so much Thirteenth Warrior, and not so but much like Spear. Congo, but it's more like Congo. Timeline has time. a lot of it. A- actors that would would go on, yeah, um, to to be big, and it was directed by Richard Donner, for God's sake. Um, yeah, one of the last movies yeah. he did. And yeah. So our final one, Thirteenth Warrior. was fortunate to have the love of the most beautiful woman in the kingdom. Unfortunately, she was the king's wife, and he was banished forever. Go with God. You listening? Now, this man of peace has wandered into a land at war against an enemy that comes without warning and leaves without a trace. They are demons. You must know that 13 men have been chosen to destroy this evil. What the hell are you saying? The 13th man is you. Now, one man. Tell them I am no warrior. Who has never known courage. (laughs) Of that they are aware. Will join 12 warriors. I cannot lift this. Grow stronger. Who have never known fear. Let's go, little brother. I do not enjoy heights and become something he never dreamed possible. Prepare yourself. One of them. From Michael Crichton, author of Jurassic Park, and John McTiernan, director of Die Hard. versus the bear people <laughs> uh, yeah there you go yeah desperado and beowulf mode yeah but co-produced and written by two terminator 2 maestros known only as andrew g vagina and uh william wisher jr and of course the director of predator and diehard john mcturnan same Beautiful. year that he did thomas crown affair it's it's yeah. a beauty it's yeah. very truthful to the book i heavily mm-hmm. It was known as Eaters of the Dead, the book. Eaters and, of the Dead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so funny. People listen to that, and you're like, is that a fucking cannibal movie? And I'm like, well, sort of. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're definitely skinning and eating people alive. 
but yeah. in what some ways it's a little more graphic than what you see in the movie but at yeah. the same time like the movie just pretty much goes for suspense it's terrifying yeah. but not in a way to where it's a legit horror movie yeah. and everything i used to look up for this movie is like it always had a high 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 user score it had some good critic reviews like james berardinelli yeah. and entertainment weekly were very easy on this one roger mm. ebert i'm pretty sure he walked out on this one he wasn't digging it but everyone's so distracted by how it's a box office flop mm. and how michael Crichton took over the director's chair like reshoots when he was displeased with the audience screening so i I don't think any of that translates into the final cut. Usually when there is some of that, you get a sense of, hey, are there a few scenes that are missing here? Whoever these yeah. editors and other production coordinator guys were, they, they were pretty dialed in and wanted to get it done. So uh, I definitely never felt, I felt like some of the humor by Banderas was forced, but a lot of it was still natural. Like the actors were definitely getting along and dedicated. Yeah. Yeah, Banderas yeah. plays the Arab traveler Ahmed Abin Fadian, and yeah, it, it is definitely it's probably one of the best Viking movies since I don't know the Vikings with Kirk Douglas. It, it's a pretty damn good Viking movie, and yeah, and it's much better than the stupid Viking shit that they've got today. Um, yeah, where, where, I mean, it's, where it's all where it's all about mud, muddy faces and braided fucking hair. Oh and, yeah. Uh, it's when... so stupid. We, oh, we were, this was this was like I've always wanted. Like I, I love the Vikings, uh, Kirk Douglas and Ernest Borgnine and Tony Curtis and yeah. Janet Leigh. Wonderful awesome. film. And this was like wow, another, finally another big screen Viking picture. And um, I actually this is one of the few the old school. John McTiernan's a great student of of film. And uh, he he gets all the references. He gets the mood. Uh, he gets the look, uh, the grit without being too overbearing about it. Um, the Viking, the cast of the Vikings are fantastic. They're a great yeah, bunch of. This is the first thing I ever saw of Vladimir Kulik in. He's done a lot of stuff like MacGyver, other diehard knockoffs, yeah. The Equalizer, and he's still being better used nowadays. And uh diana venora from heat and the substitutes here's the queen of the vikings she's pretty cool because she kind of develops a beowulf type romance with Banderas' character and especially at the you know the whole uh the whole final battle where he sort of comes after, out where he's half rain. dead from the, yeah yeah where he's half dead from the poison he does that whole you know prayer thing you know uh low do i see my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters though they do call to me and bid me take my place among them in the Absolutely. halls of valhalla where the brave may live forever it's, it's uh awesome. you know it's yeah. it's it's boy's own stuff right there the days of yore beautiful and then of course um the, i mean the thing is the last battle is kind of like the thing about it is, is all the like the 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 skirmishes that happen right up until the last battle are sort of you kind of like the last battle is kind of more muted than the other ones, but it's kind of fitting uh, yeah. too because because it's more about it's more about sort of uh, defiance and desperation than mm -hmm. you know because let's 
let's face it, they've whittled them down. Like from the first fight, you know, they lost a couple of guys and then they lose a couple more guys. And then when they actually take the fight to the bear people, um, they lose a whole bunch more guys. And then Bullseye gets poisoned by the, the witch in the cave or whatever she is, you know? And yeah. it's, um, it's, just, uh, just their infiltration of the cave is very frightening because they're having to, you know, they're all in steel armor. So, you know, there's no way, you know, if the water doesn't kill them, then their armor will, because, you know, that's going to make them sink to the bomb. So they're having to swim and, you know, go for the cave and navigate there and kind of do a whole Lord of the Rings kind of ambush. And the the enemies in this, they're pretty much one and the same. And it's OK that they're kind of mostly faceless enemies. You know, it you don't want to even humanize them. You know, it's not like they're the Borg on Star Trek. You, you pretty much want them to all get their asses handed to them. It's it, good. It's good. It's 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 it, it's good. It's different, and it's so it's it, if it were made again today, the leader of the bear people would be somebody, and he would have it, lines. It's Chris Elba. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something yeah. like that. The Rock. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and he and he would have dialogue, and there would be a plot uh, where where you hear him talking and rousing the bear people, and all sorts of stuff. Let's let's go up to the wood and get some honey, okay? Um, <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah and yeah. Uh, i look at valhalla rising even pathfinder and those those for me are just dipped in mm-hmm. such wrong sauce those are how not to make a good viking epic because you know that this one has pretty much like you say the escapism of the richard flesher movie the vikings while also mcturnan as best the jerry goldsmith score he replaced uh, Graham Ravel, who is also not no shabby, and Lisa Gerard a year before, you know, she did the music for Gladiator. So, but Jerry Goldsmith's score is pretty notable here. He doesn't phone it in. It doesn't feel like it's recycled from earlier stuff. Uh, and, and much like the the mood of the movie itself, uh, a lot of the physical acting is kind of key to the character development. You do feel you none of these Vikings sound the same. Uh, no. Tony Curran before he was in underworld and a, and a bunch of TV shows like defiance is pretty good here. And as the musician uh, Viking, he has a few funny scenes and I think he's the one who talks to Banderas and he's like, and Banderas is like, you, you basically called my mother a whore, you know, some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the humor works in this without making it, the unintentional parody or just weird you know, you know how the 90s was kind of the main era for where everyone had a lot of random jokes and people would be laughing and you weren't you as the viewer weren't sure if you should even be laughing because it was so awkwardly inserted none of that applies here thank god yeah. uh, but i mean it's if there is i mean the humor in it is completely uh is is completely situational which makes it work yes. better you yeah. know and and one of the best, like it's got one of the one of the best sort of, uh, what would you call it? Sort of, not just character, not just sort of a, a character development kind of scene. Get to know this guy. Yeah, but the scene where where he fights the big guy, you know, he basically challenges the 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 evil prince's best man. You know, he does the scene where he fights with the oh, shield. That's right. Yeah, and he breaks all the shields until finally you think he's fucked, he's going to cut his head off, and then he kills him. 
and um, he's like, that, that's such a great scene because he says, you know, any fool can calculate strength. Now he has to calculate something he can't see, right? Yeah. So because he, you know, that's that's a great moment in the film because you've got this massive guy who you would assume, you know, just like at the start of uh, Troy, you know, you've got Nathan, Nathan Jones. Yeah, Nathan Jones comes up and he looks like he would absolutely bend Brad Pitt over and give him a stiff one up the ass. But <laughs> he... He just Brad Pitt just sort of runs up to him and does the fancy move and stabs him in the back and that's it, you know. Um, yeah. But this one's sort of a better better scene than that because he literally looks like he's fucked. He's gonna get killed, right? And Antonio Banderas says, "Stop it, you fool!" You know, and all sort of stuff. And 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 what's the name? Bullvine knows that his man's cool. He just says, "Fucking just stay there and shut up." And then he just you know and. and <laughs> You know, it's fantastic. And and Banderas is great in this movie because he he starts out sort of like a, a, a perfume ponce who is a poet in the court of the caliph and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and you he, think he's going to pull a Morgan Freeman and narrate the whole thing, but he ends up, you know, yeah. he he's he, the main – he reminds you, I am I am hmm. the relation to the viewer. I'm an everyday kind of man. I'm an adventurer, but I'm not just any yeah. kind of guy. I'm, hmm. I'm not – I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not, you know, of course, yeah. you know, I'm not Conan and the Barbarian. I, no, but, I, yeah. I'm venturing into the unknown and I'm just as afraid and intrigued by it as the viewer would be. And yeah. And he literally, he literally is our avatar into this world. He's exactly how we would be. If oh, all of a sudden hell. we, we, we turned up in, been, the, yeah, this, yeah. this should have been the avatar of the nineties, but it wasn't. Because yeah. of all the goddamn money they forked over on this and didn't make back, and Omar Sharif disowned this, I'm like, you're only in yeah. it for like five seconds, and you're acting yeah. like it's the worst movie you've made. No, buddy, you better look as, at some as, of the studs done. Yeah, as we were talking before you started recording, like th- there is another version of this film that I'm dying to see. Right, yeah. I know it exists. You know it's got to exist out there, and and God love them if they trot it out, even just to make more money <laughs> at some point. Oh, Shout uh, Factory! Uh, how much do you yeah. have to pay Disney? Buena Vista, since yeah. this is a touchstone Buena Vista production. How much do you yeah. have to pay to make them just fork over the rights? Yeah, uh, but because yeah, every, you know, in, I've looked everywhere. Yeah. I can't yeah. find anything. I think I could yeah. find a few photos, but it yeah. it. It was back as far back as like maybe 2004, but it, uh, if it exists, it's probably going to stay in the vault and never be remastered or something. It yeah. motherfuckers. Or, or, or the wor- or the worst possible scenario is when John McTiernan dies finally. Oh God! And, and and they and they and you know that they will come out. I mean, uh, they'll talk about recent history too, but they'll have to talk about how much of an impact he was on on cinema with movies uh-huh. like Predator and Die Hard and yeah they're going to have to have Banderas or Kulik do a interview segment yeah. <laughs> he treated yeah. me nice I would gladly have worked again with him I'm Antonio yeah. this <laughs> because because what what's really beautiful about this film and and um there's there's uh the the story arc 
uh, of Banderas, and it's in the trailer and the film, the line where he says to that guy, he gives him a sword, and he goes, I'm not a warrior, and he goes, soon you will be, right? Before that, the first yeah. battle begins, you know, soon you will be, because once you're in a fight, even if it's a fight, like back in the schoolyard, if you say, well, I'm not a fighter, I'm more a lover than a fighter, but as soon as you get in it, when you're in the scrap, and you're forced to defend yourself, you do become a warrior you find you go inside yourself and you go well i'm not gonna let him beat the shit out of me i'm gonna yeah. i'm yeah. gonna ante up you know you'd be like morgan freeman in glory ante up like men like men you know? <laughs> and, uh, oh but and, yeah uh, it sounded like you were doing more of a marlon brando in the godfather you can act like a man <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what's the matter with you <laughs> yeah. that's right yeah fruity yeah. fruity ba, ba, ba. <laughs> yeah you, you can act like a man. What's the matter with you? You know, but uh, you know, it's it's, fan, it's fantastic. You know, oh, and that, yeah. that all that sort of in school. My my book, uh, Death Master: Adventures in the Thirty Ninth Uncharted <laughs> Dimension. Um, one yet. You've done yeah. so many some books that you're gonna have to pimp the shit out here near the end of this episode. Um. Yeah, but uh, that. That whole concept of I'm I'm not a warrior. Soon you will be, is like is like the thread of that because it's a, it's a guy who's not a warrior who becomes a warrior, but not <laughs> because he wants not because he wants to, <laughs> because he yeah. has to. He has, know, he has to. He has. He's got he's got he's got no choice at this point because yeah, he's. There's no other way. And fun fact, uh, Savin Ol Thorson, best known as the bodybuilder buddy, not to be confused with the late Franco Colombo, he's pretty much been in every movie with Schwarzenegger, often being a right, guy. Yeah. He's the Ali Yong for him. He uh, almost always is getting blown up or killed yeah. by, by his buddy. Uh, yeah. He he plays the would-be king in this movie, and he's been in some other Viking movies like Cole the Conqueror and one one favorite of mine with Ralph Moeller, who was in the Conan TV show, uh, The Viking Saga. Sure. Uh, yeah. that, that That's another underrated movie, which I'll definitely want to cover at some point. And, mm. uh, but like you say, this is pretty much the ideal if you had to ha come up with a top 10 Viking or medieval saga type movies, th th this is one of them for sure. I mean, this is, this is for lack of a better word, this is John McTurnan's attempt at a Conan Excalibur type movie while mixing what he knows how to do best suspense, uh, character sensitivity, let alone struggle. I, I had no, at no point where I feel like, you know, Banderas is the chosen one, you know, who knows how to do all this awesome shit? No. No, not at all. He's not at all. He's a, he's a, he's a whiny pussy, really. He, um, <laughs> he, he's a comedy know, relief. He, he's like, yeah. if you had, he, he basically, if you had the fellowship, you know, in the Lord of the Rings saga and basically Vad Merkula, the head Viking guy who gets poisoned, he's basically Strider, Aragorn, you know, Viggo Mortensen's character. And, yeah. And Banderas is basically, if you took one of the hobbits, but, you know, he's human-sized, and yeah. he just knew how to swing a sword and not go, Aah! but he does a, few, yeah. a bit of that at the start when he's learning how to train with him, where he's like, shit! Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was talking to someone about this movie, and they said, and I was, I was saying about John McTinn, and he said, well, what's the, what's the vulnerable scene? What's the, 
what's the uh, the John McClane sitting in the bathroom picking glass out of his feet scene in this? And I said, well, it's basically when after the big attack and Banderas is being his wounds are being tended to by that good girl, and he's going ow ow ow, and she goes, that's a woman sound, right? And I yeah. said, that's the vulnerability because he is not tough. He's not tough. Like all those other Vikings just wipe, wipe the fucking blood off and just fuck, yeah, bring on some more beer and wenches and whatever. But he's like, ow, ow, ow. You know, he's, and I said, that's his, that's him pulling the glass out of his face. How about the scene. night raid? Remember the night raid where he's, yeah. he's first finally getting a, uh, not a, not bloodthirsty per se, but he's going around and he's actually stabbing a few of the Vikings in the dark. Not, not the Vikings, yeah. the cannibals yeah. in the dark. He's totally wailing on him. He's like, yeah, want some? You want yeah. some? But yeah. he's not. But it's, but he's it's, doing it's repetition. It's, he's not expecting it to work. No, it's more out of like fear. Like that's the sharp end. Charge him with that, you know. He's shanking and, him in an alleyway equivalent here, and he he's yeah. unexpectedly killing at least five of them in a row just because he has the yeah. dark on his side, not because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, and that it. The, the fact that the fact that it works so well is the fact that he is initially incompetent and then you start to see little flourishes like he when he grinds the sword to make it more like an arabian cutlass you know it makes you know, and then he a good sh- moment because that yeah. really does that's also where Bendera's really owns the role and they kind of remind yeah. you it's like hey I'm I'm not playing a Spaniard. I'm playing, you know, an Arab adventurer, you know, skin color perfect or not. I am really in the right mode here. I'm I, I'm not fighting like a Viking. I'm taking what they're telling me and I'm fighting like an Arab adventurer. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like at the end of Aquaman, like this time, you know, last time you fought in oh, his yeah. environment. Now make him fight in yours, you know. <laughs> Give an Arab a sword, he makes a knife, you know. <laughs> Right. He he can't pull a MacGyver here. He's got to actually <laughs> adapt yeah. to his surroundings. And yeah. it's a good adventure movie. It's also a good action movie. In a way, it's kind of a Viking war movie because of all the numerous just prepping day in and out. I almost expected a bear to just come out and just mug someone since that was just so common in every other jungle boogie movie. I would have loved to have seen a battle like in the forest, you know? Yeah, hell, and they, I can, and yeah, and they come out of like, they come out of the dark parts of the forest, and you got the trees interfering with everything, and you have to they have to kind of fight around the trees and stuff like that. That would have been interesting. Oh man, and, uh, but okay. I, but yeah, but I, I love the I love the film that we that we have. I would love to see McTannan's director's cut before it was, uh, you know, obviously cut down, or at least release the scenes. You know, unmastered yeah, yeah. or not on the yeah. DVD, so we can at least get the impression in our head and encourage yeah. a few other YouTubers to come up with a fan edit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, that would be that would be the ultimate nice. If they're not going to release the the cut, at least show us the the deleted right. material. Yeah, and maybe sit down with McTiernan and 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 do a retrospective and and yes. talk about you know and. Because yeah. it, it's it, it's a wonderful it's an adventure picture that they don't really make today. Today it's yeah it's it's comic book movies and you know all that sort of stuff. Uh, not to, I, not that I hate 
When I first saw the Scorpion King, I always kind of felt like The Rock was kind of doing his spin on this kind of uh, mystical, mysterious Conan-type character. Yeah, the the Scorpion King's another one that had a had a, a should have been uh, bigger. Yeah, the feel of uh, it had the feel of those eighties barbarian um, type. Yeah, pictures. Beastmaster yeah. and Destiny. Yeah, you know, because it's it's pretty formulaic. It's it's a uh, a vagabond hero who stumbles uh, if you into didn't have a the scorpion uh, portion in it. You wouldn't have anything else, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, I mean, the, the thing about it, if it wasn't tied to the, uh, if it wasn't a spin-off of that mummy franchise, uh-huh. um, and you had, you didn't have the rock as that character, it could have easily been one of those eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, sword and sorcery fantasy adventure. Type yeah, you didn't movies. have Kelly who as the scorpion queen. You know, you you wouldn't the, have anything. Right. Yeah. So it's um, you know these these movies really harken back to a, you know I know I know you know we're, we're talking about the nineties like it was uh, a thousand years ago, but uh, it really was a different kind of cinema then as opposed to now. Now it's very slick and a lot of money and you know these were these were like the like the medium range films that they don't make anymore you know i totally they they would if they did this today it would be some overblown fake looking all green screen uh ron howard film probably have someone overrated like henry cavill or someone underappreciated like chris pine you know just against a green screen saying to war you know and it would <laughs> It would be all miscast. It would have people who aren't even, you know, <laughs> Viking-ish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I don't see it as that. It would just have... Yeah. And yeah, of course, they throw in the rocker or Elba in there because people see anything yeah. that they're in, even if it's going to suck ass. So that, that yeah. it would have them in there, and it would just yeah. be like, is this the Free Stooges, or is this just another bastard child of Conan or Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I can't tell. It just yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you said, it would have, it would have someone like Chris Pine and and uh, Jason Momoa as uh, as they're the more likely character. to redo Sherlock Holmes or King Arthur for the time to more shitty success. You know, it's just <laughs> it oh, seems God. like if they're gonna do God, Vikings, they do stuff yeah. like that that's on TV, like The Last Kingdom or Vikings, the, T- the History Channel show. So it's like. I, I know, yeah. It's a, the thing is, all these things have been done really well. Like, they continually rape King Arthur. They'll never make a better King Arthur movie than Excalibur. Um, Speaking uh, of the mysticism of Excalibur, don't you like how they kind of hint in this movie? Like, again, they have the close-up of the sword, the battle weapon of choice that the main warrior will be using. But then they also imply that there's some kind of, not only just other kind of, cannibalistic warriors out there but also that there's a rainbow and a dragon type symbol and that just gives mm-hmm. it an even more supernatural fantasy kind of touch yeah the th- the thing is they always forget about when they when they make uh things to do with ancient warriors or vikings uh is that the thing that's done really well in this movie and also too in the uh the Kirk Douglas uh Vikings movie yeah. Is that these guys for them it was absolutely 
uh, a terrible death to die without their weapon, to die not in battle, right? To die at home old and sick was not how they wanted to fucking go out, right? Yeah, this is a walking textbook. This is a tutorial of what it's yeah. like to live as a Viking. And I'm looking at the movie poster of this now. Mm. Have you seen the, this poster? Just look it up on Wikipedia real fast. It, this is a badass poster. You know, is now is that how, the one with is is that the one with just the Viking boat? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, his eyes looming over it from the director's yeah, eye. And it's got like the gold, uh, the golden light behind it and the boat, and then yeah, yeah. almost looks like the, the eye one. of Sauron here. But I, I love it because some thought yeah. went into this because everywhere else it seemed like they just wanted to go with the generic photo of Banderas in armor. And it's like, no, there's more to it than that. You know, it, yeah. this one gives me an idea of the world and mm. the adventure that is looming behind. Should you go and yeah. pay a matinee to see this movie? And yeah. it, they, they don't make posters like that anymore. If this were made today, they would have some dark Knight type silhouette outline of, you know, a bunch of, well, whoever the, from behind him and a guy it, with a sword that's bigger yeah, than his it, face. It, it would basically be like the the video or DVD art that they eventually. It's just a picture of Antonio Banderas in the armor with the sword, and they're like, "Well, yeah, if you like it, shot." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like if you like Antonio Banderas, you'll watch this movie. That's how they sell it, right? Um. So yeah, if it was made today, it would have a the face of whoever, right? Yeah, and, and he, it's had some appreciation the, over the years. Some uh, yeah. stars on car would air this quite a lot because, you know, they would air a lot of stuff by Lionsgate and Disney. Uh, mm. Sci-Fi Channel often airs it every other year since they fortunately have changed whoever's in charge of their programming. So that's good that it's getting some love on there. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, – it's the, all these movies that we've talked about are, are really reminiscent of a different – time in filmmaking and 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 certainly a type of movie that doesn't get made anymore I can't, even, like, I can't think of an author whose work gets adapted simultaneously nowadays like stephen king has hmm. for four decades in a row always had a movie coming out based on his work you know but i can't yeah. think but that's kind of like comparing i don't know my michael Crichton was just like Boom, boom, boom! Like the book, the film, the book, the film, the book, the film. Yeah. The book, the film. No book, you know? still a film. No book. Yeah. There's a show that runs twenty seasons. Yeah, it's <laughs> just. Um, yeah, he was. He really was. He had the Midas touch, and and it's easy to see why the material is interesting. It's not. It's not just like you said. It's not just science fiction. It's not just an yeah. historical epic. It's not Wikipedia. just. Listed yeah. as a historical fiction action film, I mm. I don't know about historical. I would definitely say action adventure fantasy, maybe mm. Viking drama. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it's. I mean, if sure enough, it does have sort of a a fantasy element because these uh, the 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 antagonist dreamlike trance when he gets injured on the battlefield before his wound healing moment. Remember? Yeah, it, it just kind of left implied yeah. that he slept with the gal, but I don't think yeah. he really did. I think they just, yeah. uh, they just, uh, uh, they just cuddled. <laughs> I love, I love that line. Did she, 
I love that line. Did she heal you? Did she, did she kill you or bring you back to life? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like, a, that's like, that's like the period version of was the sex any good or not? You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He doesn't even know. He was just out of it. And so I guess she basically, kind of like, yeah, I she, mean, she's, she's a Viking. So I guess she raped him. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, but I, uh, you know, you, <laughs> You, you've got. To, he didn't know what you, to make of it. He's just like, huh? Thanks for healing me. Yeah. Oh, what, what I mean, you've got. To, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, the, this film is so, uh, so lovingly of the mysticism of Vikings, like guys who literally believe that the power of their ancestors and the promise of going to some great hall where only the brave are allowed to go. Um, uh, brilliantly shot by uh, Peter Menzies, whose credits include Hard Range, Shooter, Posse, Die Hard Free, A Time to Kill, Lower Croft Tomb Raider, and the list goes on, you know, even Clash of the Titans. So he, he has the eye. Oh, he even shot The Expendables Free in Gods of Egypt. So <laughs> pretty similar movies. Banderas and Ancient Fighting. <laughs> yeah that's right but it's um yeah no I, I i really loved it like i said it's one of the few movies that i came out of and there was another screening straight after and i went straight back in and watched it again um yeah. and it definitely uh, it's a movie like congo i would love to see again i wish uh, i could have i would have been big... nine when this came out Right. I didn't see many movies that were out around that time. I would see posters here and there. Uh, I mean, pretty much all I saw was just animated stuff in the Phantom Menace. So, you know, I'm, I, but I wanted, what I really wanted to see was stuff like Deep Blue Sea and other stuff like that that was playing at the time. So, um, this would have definitely been an ideal movie to have seen, but I don't know that it played in theaters for long. I think it went, you know, instant, you know, it was one of definitely many movies that had enough of a, cable tv and vhs following that the dvd was definitely appreciated it continually kept getting rediscovered it was almost always one of those movies when everyone was done watching desperado and zorro and spy kids on in philadelphia for Banderas's resume that this one always came up and everyone gave it a chance and pretty much like the 90s adaptations of various alexander dumas you know swashbucklers it definitely was always just most people took it in as popcorn, but there are a lot, like we've said, just many people who legit, this is like top 10 of 1999, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, great, great. This is, this is not a stupid movie. This is not even just an action movie. This, this is a pretty involving movie. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and there's a lot of things that you can pick on and, and the start of it does feel a little disjointed. Like, you know, the, the, the voiceovers, yeah, I mean, the, the voiceovers, uh, you know, once you know the history, you know that those opening scenes, are the, the, the whole monologue is there to replace a lot of stuff that was cut out. But um, it's kind of one of those, you have to look for it. You, I, I do agree with you. You kind of, on the second or third viewing and after looking at the trivia, you do, like Omar Sharif even looks like he does not want to be there, which is not oh, a yeah. surprising since he says in his interview here, quoted below bad pictures are very humiliating i was really sick it's terrifying to have to do dialogue from bad scripts to face a director who does not know what he is doing in a film so bad that is not even worth exploring i'm like that, that's that's, that's so that's that's so wrong john mctiernan is such a uh i'm pretty sure he knew what he was film. doing 
He probably so wasn't he, going to you. He was letting yeah, you. Yeah, find he's the such. He's such. He's such a marvelous filmmaker and such a student of film. If you maybe he's referring if, to Michael Crichton. I don't know. Did they yeah, shoot a scene with him? Which is why that scene doesn't fill. Who knows? Because because if you if you if you you look into the history of John McTiernan, when he was a student where he went to film school, um, the guy had him learn movies. Now that's just what not watching a movie so you can learn the lines to quote your friends. That's like watching the movie, thinking about the composition of the frames, the lenses, like study. Oh, there's a close up there, cut there. Yeah, you know and literally learn the language of the moving picture. And he made him go away and study films, not, not just study them to, to, to be able to talk about them on, you know, like we, like we do, uh, to literally study the film grammar and, Oh yeah, they went to a close up there and a long shot. No, I think that's a 25 mil lens as opposed to a 50 and all that kind of thing. So, that's uh, when it, when when a guy like that comes to direct a movie, he not only comes with so much uh, of his own, you know, passion as far as the type of movie he's trying to make, but he comes with all this knowledge, great knowledge of cinema. AFI Conservatory, and he, yeah. I mean, when working on Predator, everyone was giving him all these other just static, ill-prepared mm. DPs, cinematographers, and he's like, I want this guy who worked on the Aussie, you know, World War II pitcher, Attack Force Z. Get oh, yeah, Don, Don, Don McAlpine, the great Don McAlpine. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, yeah. No shot that he does is ever standing in the same place. You know, he's tracking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one thing we got, you got to say about the Aussies. We have produced some of the finest cinematographers in cinema history. Uh, from Dean Semler to uh, Don McAlpine, to uh, John Seal, um, you know, just the list goes on. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we, and we seem to, we produce very good cinematographies. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It, it's a shame that it's kind of, this movie's kind of just had to be only appreciated in the home media context because, like you say, that this would totally be an Alamo draft house type, you know, sold out venue. Oh, sure. Easily. Easily. And if they, what have you. Yeah. And if they ever, like, this is one movie, if they ever restored it to John McTiernan's original vision, it would be an incredible release to re-release it um, mm-hmm. in cinemas because it's, it's got, it's got all the elements. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's impactful. It's got depth. It's not just a surface movie. Um, there's great performances from everyone involved. Even though Diane Verona doesn't have much to do, she's a wonderful actress. Um, yeah, I mean, there could have been so many way worse uh, performers they could have gotten from that, and she kind of just rolls with the punches. I'm sure she yeah. was a victim of just looking for work after heat and substitute and... Yeah. Maybe they cut out a bunch of her scenes. Maybe there was some other romantic subplot that slowed the movie down and made everyone groan. Maybe it had bad dialogue. I don't know. Cause yeah. it, well, I, I always got the feeling from the scenes when Bullvi is, is sick and dying, the way she sort of hangs around him like she might have – they might have had a – you know, they might have had a relationship. 
Because uh-huh. you know that bit. You know that bit where he says, you know, a man might be thought worthy if someone were to draw the stories of his of his deeds. Um, and she's kind of standing in the background. She looks up, and she's the one that looks over at Antonio Banderas. Yeah, um, almost, like, almost like almost we'll like almost like saying, well, yeah, almost like saying, yes, you have to do that. He is going to die, and I expect you to write his autobiography. Um, you know, and uh, because he's the, such the a the narration does actually feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But but like you say, the opening one, if you were to rewatch it now, it's kind of like the original Blade Runner special edition, just totally out of place, not very well done, even felt like it was done like a few takes, not very redundant. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. The end narration and other scrolls and even the end score make just remind you, it's like, hey, you didn't just see another movie. You didn't see Friday Night Entertainment. You saw a pretty kick-ass trip to another world <laughs> sure yeah totally but no all three of these movies are uh are a great uh, a, a great triple bill and and i encourage yeah. anyone listening anyone listening to this to forget everything you've read forget all the the bullshit and and the soapboxes that people get on just sit down if you love movies sit down and watch these three a michael crichton triple feature you won't be disappointed folks uh, I love it. You love it. We love Bryden it. Bryden does uh, feel like a lot of his stuff deserves a revisit. Like there's stuff from the seventies that he's done based on some short stories of his that probably would be a pretty cool Blu-ray remaster or VHS collector's item to track down eventually. And like, like you say, if you mention his name nowadays, people are going to say, Oh yeah. Westworld, the new one, which he has right. no relation to uh, Jurassic right. Park. Uh, Andromeda Strain, which was an interesting, loose readaptation of the movie, but was like a two-night miniseries event. So, yeah, yeah the, what it should be is Jurassic Park, Thirteen Warrior, Congo, and then Spear. Maybe Spear yeah. and then Congo, but either way, see all four of these movies and mm. see what you think, because... Mm. I mean, and, and run away don't like them. Yeah, there you go. Just run away just for shits and giggles. And, yeah. Gene Simmons being a robot, PG-13 nudity, all that horse shit. Yeah. Just yeah. Fun. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. All righty. Well, right. uh, this has probably been my favorite of the show, not only just because we're not bullshitting about TV anymore and the changes in marketability, but we actually covered a movie. Free movies. Yeah, so well. thank you so much, Kent, for being oh, on here. My pleasure. Where can we follow you and when is your lot of different places? Well, I, I sort of depend on I'm I'm not like a weekly podcaster that I sort of track down uh, once a month. People that, yeah, I track down people who, who might want to have a chat to me. Uh, you can find me on podcast and softly type Kendall into the Search and you'll find over 160 interviews with everyone from Academy Award winners to independent filmmakers. <laughs> uh, you, you can find me on Amazon.com and read a lot of my scribbling books like Death Master, Adventures in the 39th Uncharted, Uncharted Dimension, Alien Smut Peddlers from the Future, Hercules with a Shotgun, uh, Retirement Village of the Damned, Zombie Park, Sword Dude, Sword Dude 2. Um, <laughs> the Last Barbarian. You can find those all on Amazon. 
and follow me on my author's page on Facebook at uh, at uh, KHP Scribbling on Facebook and uh, and Amazon and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, all my stuff is on uh, there. It's on audio too. For those who don't read, there's audio. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and and hopefully this year, fingers crossed, you you might see uh, the first uh, first uh, film, first uh, feature film. Oh. By one Kent Hill, so uh, you yeah. got people crazy enough to adapt your shit. That's fucking awesome. Well, no, no, I, <laughs> no, no. Sadly <laughs> enough, sadly enough, I, I, I actually, I, I got, I got the gig to write a script. It's not my story. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, a movie written by me. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> you know, Holly, Hollywood is a is a is a dangerous minefield of a place. So. Uh, I'm, 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 I just, you just got to have to wait. It, 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 you know, you know, I, I don't want to say dates or times or places cause you never know when these things are going to come about. But, uh, yeah. Um, if you read my stuff and have a laugh, uh, then, you know, I've done my job, but, uh, yeah. So that's where you can find all my nonsense. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's been fun. Uh, thank you ever again. And I'm going to be on the lookout for it. I wouldn't even mind stopping by podcasting them softly. I'm downloading that now on the Podbean app as we speak. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if you – like it escaped you, my grasp. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you go just to the search and type in my name, you'll see all the uh, all the interviews and and stuff with everyone from Tim Thomason, Nancy Allen, Richard Stanley, Russell uh-huh. Mulcahy, Matthias Hughes. Uh, I've – I like to do a lot of independent movies. Larry Cohen, you know, a bunch of people. Absolutely. So I guess we can even meet again. We can even do like our favorite adaptations. We might even do the 10 best Viking movies of all time. (laughs) Sword and Sandal. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Groovy, groovy. So... I'll be covering some other movies and shows in pairs like this in the future. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Kent, for knocking this into a home run. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Cameron. Take care, mate. All righty. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.